Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing... And I know you love what you're hearing. Please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Support for this podcast comes from the law firm Fenwick, helping technology and life sciences companies thrive at every stage of growth. Online at Fenwick.com. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin with the coronavirus pandemic and new impacts it's having on one of our state's biggest industries. Santa Monica-based studio Lionsgate and ESPN, which is owned by Disney, are the latest to announce job cuts in the entertainment business. KCRW's Anna Scott has more. Lionsgate says it's laying off 15% of the staff in its film division. That's a loss of almost 70 jobs. With almost half the country's movie theaters closed, it's hard to release big films, and that's been a hit for the company's movie division. Theaters have been shuttered in L.A. since March. Even before the pandemic, streaming services were competing for movie audiences. Now, direct-to-consumer streaming is cutting into traditional TV sports, too. Disney is laying 300 people off from ESPN and leaving 200 open jobs at the sports network unfilled. On top of a changing business model, many sports games have been canceled or cut back during the pandemic. For the California Report, I'm Anna Scott in Los Angeles. Staying in Southern California, for decades, L.A. County's powerful Board of Supervisors was an all-male boys' club. But things started changing in the 1990s with the election of the first woman to the board. Fast forward to this week, where there's been a complete change of gender on the board. Here to explain is the California Report's Saul Gonzalez. Saul? Lily, for the first time in its more than 150-year history, Los Angeles County's five-member Board of Supervisors will be made up of all women. That with the election of Holly Mitchell this week to the board. Mitchell, who's 56 and African-American, ran a family and child care nonprofit in L.A. before being elected to the state Senate in 2013. In the legislature, Mitchell was known for her commitment to addressing social and racial inequity and her mastery of the budget process. As an L.A. County supervisor, Mitchell will be a member of one of the most powerful local governmental bodies in the country. The board oversees a more than $35 billion annual budget, encompassing health care, housing, law enforcement, and transportation. Each supervisor represents about 2 million L.A. County residents and serves a four-year term. Lily? Thanks, Saul. Well, California rideshare drivers will remain independent contractors as a result of Prop 22's resounding victory this election. KPCC's David Wagner asked drivers how they're feeling about the results. Drivers for companies like Uber and Lyft have long been split on the question of employee status, so it's no surprise they were split on Prop 22. 
Huntington Beach driver Terry Jordan Adams says, sure, companies have taken advantage of drivers at times, but she voted yes on 22 because she worried about losing her ability to drive on her own schedule. I know when I need to be where I need to be. And so, unfortunately, I had to side with Uber and Lyft because at least it gave us a voice. Hollywood driver Jonathan Tipton Myers voted no. With app companies getting their way, he worries drivers will face an even tougher battle for better pay and working conditions. Without any kind of leverage, these prices will continue to be slashed on our end, and there will be even less oversight and less enforcement. Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, and others raised more than $200 million to pass Prop 22, setting a record for California campaign spending. For The California Report, I'm David Wagner in Los Angeles. California college students who lobbied hard this year to overturn the state's ban on affirmative action are coming to grips with Proposition 16's defeat. KQED's Vanessa Roncano reports. After months of phone banking, putting up signs, and yelling on street corners, the loss is hard on UC Berkeley student Derek Imai and UC San Diego student Nyatov Gatkoth. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty bummed out about it. I cried a lot. People believe that we live in a colorblind society, and we truly don't. Even though affirmative action has been illegal in California for nearly a quarter century, this year, Imai was hopeful the spotlight on racial injustice created an opening for change. Ugh, where did that energy go? It just was shocking to see that all this movement um, didn't result in um, an actual tangible way to promote racial justice. Despite their disappointment, these students say they're not giving up. Like, this is something that I need. I want to be in spaces where I see more people who look like me. Gatko says she plans to channel her anger toward a future, better iteration of Prop 16. For the California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancaño. Meanwhile, criminal justice reform advocates are celebrating this week. After a slew of wins at the ballot box, KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos takes a look at what those results say about the future of policing and prisons in the state. Ever since California started embracing changes to its criminal sentencing system a decade ago, police and prosecutors have pushed back, arguing that the reforms went too far, that they undermined public safety, and that voters didn't really know what they were doing. This year, opponents of reform went back to the electorate to try and roll back some of those changes with Proposition 20. It wasn't even close. That's Kate Chatfield, policy director at the Pro-Reform Justice Collaborative. She's right. Prop 20 has been trailing by double digits all this week as the ballots are tallied. Chatfield says supporters of Prop 20, largely law enforcement groups, used... All their usual cards in the deck. You know, crime is increasing, the fear-based uh, mailers, the, the phony arguments. The voters saw through them. I mean, the voters just were not persuaded. And, and that, to me, is, is very, very hopeful that we may have turned this corner. But Prop 20 wasn't the only big win. Statewide, voters also gave people on parole the right to vote. At the local level, a half dozen Bay Area cities passed police accountability measures. And in Los Angeles, the progressive district attorney candidate George Gascone appears to have prevailed over his rival, current district attorney Jackie Lacey, who was backed by law enforcement. Jay Johnson, executive director of the pro-reform group Californians for Safety and Justice, says voters' message is clear. They support alternatives to incarceration like rehabilitation, not more jails and prisons. He noted that Prop 20 lost in 50 of the state's 58 counties, including reliably red ones. No longer can you just, you know, tell California voters anything, right? You're going to have to make your case, right? And 
you know, the education of more prisons and more prison spending is just not one that California voters um, are willing to accept. But Jordan's group did suffer one big loss. Proposition 25, which would have ended money bail in California, was defeated after a well-funded campaign by the bail industry and law enforcement. Those groups got a boost from an unexpected source, progressive civil rights groups, who argued that the replacement for bail created by Prop 25 was unfair and could lead to more people being locked up. Mike Gatto is a consultant for the No on 25 side and a former Democratic state lawmaker. He says voters understood that Prop 25 was deeply flawed. I think that the historic coalition that came together to oppose it sent a clear message to the legislature that the people of the state want them to do better. But Gatto rejected the notion that the electorate sent any broader message about support for reform, saying that Prop 20 was defeated because proponents were outspent, that George Gascon won the LADA race because he motivated his base. And generally, he doesn't see a surge of anti-law enforcement sentiment among state voters. Chatfield disagrees. A former defense attorney who's worked on these issues for two decades, she says that while the bail measure was complicated because of the opposition on both the left and the right, the rest of the outcomes should send a message to state leaders that the public is ready to go even farther. The voters are so much further along on this issue than the California legislature or than any legislature in the country. Chatfield, Jordan, and others hope the state legislature, which failed to pass several police reform measures this summer, will hear that message and be willing to embrace reforms to both policing and criminal sentencing in 2021. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Californians overwhelmingly voted for Democrat Joe Biden this election, and the Democratic supermajority that's been in place at the state capitol since 2018 isn't going anywhere. But dig deeper and you get a more complicated portrait of California voters. KQED's politics editor Scott Schaefer joins me now. Hey, Scott. Hi, Lily. Scott, California has a bit of a reputation, shall we say. You know, you can use your word of choice, call it liberal, call it progressive. 
But are we really as blue as our reputation would suggest? Well, certainly at the top of the ballot, as he suggested, Joe Biden has 4.1 million more votes than Trump. There's still 4 million votes to count, so that's going to probably expand. And it's turning more blue in places like Placer County, which voted for Trump four years ago. This year, it's going for Joe Biden. But when you look at the ballot measures and the messages that voters were sending, it's really much more nuanced than that, as you say. You know, for example, voters supported maintaining criminal justice reforms. They supported giving parolees the right to vote, uh, expanding consumer privacy, but they also rejected things like affirmative action, getting rid of cash bail, raising property taxes on commercial property. So, you know, I think it really, in a lot of ways, is a credit to voters that they went up and down the ballot and they thought about these things. And it wasn't just a knee-jerk reaction like, oh, I'm going to vote for this because it's liberal or I'm going to vote for that because it's conservative. Yeah, it was a really mixed bag on those ballot propositions. I want to focus on Prop 16 for a moment, which you mentioned, the one that would have overturned the state's ban on affirmative action. Voters overwhelmingly rejected that measure, even though a whole lot more money had been poured into supporting it. Absolutely. I mean, they, the yes side did have about 31 million compared to very little, about a million and a half for the no side. So there really wasn't much of a campaign because, you know, so much of the airtime was uh, devoted to things like Prop 22, you know, with Uber, Lyft, DoorDash putting in over $200 million. So there just wasn't a lot of focus on the issue of affirmative action. And although we were in this moment of racial reckoning, you know, there wasn't really an ongoing conversation about affirmative action in California. In in the end, voters really rejected it by a pretty big margin. Scott, let's focus on Prop 22 for a moment, which allows the tech companies to uh, to keep gig workers as contractors. They poured hundreds of millions of dollars into that prop. What about organized labor? How did they come out in that fight? Prop 22 was really a bitter loss for organized labor. They were outspent 10 to 1 by the companies like Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, and Instacart. But the problem is not just Prop 22 here in California, but now these gig companies with this victory see this as a potential model that they can now take to other states. I mean, the gig economy is growing uh, across the country, not just here in California. And I think organized labor lost not just Prop 22, but potentially the conversation now becomes national and they're going to be on the defensive going forward. All right. KQED's Scott Schaefer, thank you. You're welcome. In other news, the public advocate at the California Public Utilities Commission is recommending $255 million in fines against SoCalGas. They claim the utility used ratepayer funds to sabotage the state's clean energy goals by fighting energy efficiency rules. SoCalGas calls the claims demonstrably wrong and says the proposed fine has no merit. Meanwhile, Insurance Commissioner Ricardo Lara has announced temporary relief for homeowners living in fire-prone communities. His office has issued an order forbidding insurance companies from canceling or not renewing property insurance for one year. And that is the California Report for this Friday, November 6th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Alice Wolfley, and Holly J. McDeed. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you for listening and have a great weekend. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, 
focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. And Personal Capital, offering professional-grade financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary, personalcapital.com. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.